everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. Tony Andraki here joined by Andy Martinez and special guest Boog Shambi here. Special. Special guest. Thanks for joining us, Boog. How's everything going? Good. It's good to see you guys. You too. Um, how's the off season for you? And, and taking some, some much needed time away, but we also know that you are very busy. So like take us through uh, working, but also, you know, chilling a little yeah. bit and, and catching your breath. I, I mean, I wouldn't say that I've totally caught my breath just yet because I do a full extra month. So I did every round of the postseason. So I had the first round on TV. I did the Diamondbacks sweeping the Brewers for ESPN television. And then I had the Phillies beating the Braves for national radio. Then I had the Diamondbacks beating the Phillies. And then I did the World Series. So... I was bouncing around, oh, and yeah. I didn't really, you know, there's an extra month to the season, so I'm still kind of decompressing a little bit. My first event for basketball was last week, and I got to go to the Bahamas. Yeah, um, that's not bad. That, was, that wasn't too bad, so I called six games in the Bahamas, and it was 80 degrees every day. Can't really beat that, and yeah, now I'm starting to, to kind of chill out obviously you know the uh in between the news you know right after the world series and the making the the move to manager was was big and i was in here for some of that so i'm still i would say i'm still catching my breath and getting some rest but it's uh it's been great Booga, i'm sure a lot of fans know this and your love affair with shoes and, and your shoe yeah. collection and one of my favorite stories with you is one of the first, one of our, like our first text messages that we ever had. You sent me a picture of just your closet, just out of the blue, right. your shoe closet, and and we have it pulled up. But it, take us through your love of shoes, how that kind of started, and and what's your favorite pair right now? I know you're rocking some some cool ones right now if you're um, people watching. Yeah, so I wish I could tell you the starting point for it. It was, it, I mean, it's more recent it, in the last like six years. I think that some of it had to do with, I always had big feet. So like my dad used to jokingly use the line, I was either going to be really tall or short, never fall over. And I <laughs> That's never... That's a great dad line. Yeah, it's a good dad, dad line. Yes. And I, and it got into good laugh. So hats off to dad. I, yeah, so I never, I never hit the growth spurt. I, you know, media guide heights, probably like six, one and a quarter. <laughs> Um, I have size 15 shoes, so it's always been a scavenger hunt for me to try and find stuff to wear. So I can't just do, I like those, I'm going to buy those, because more often than not, they wouldn't have them in 15. And so I started to, to grow an interest. I like Jordan 1s, Lowe's, I like Dunks, um, I like some of the Kobe's. And then I would say during covid you know, you're bored and you're online and that's when it started to mushroom a bit. And then I just got more and more interested in the space. So like, that's kind of what, what ended up happening. And then it's just kind of a fun, it's just kind of a fun thing where, I mean, even in the game, I've had random players say stuff to me. Um, that so, they've seen like the ones you're wearing currently, you're saying? Or? They, or they've seen me post stuff okay. and they'll say, you know, I've seen some of your sneakers, they're fire, like stuff like that, which is funny and I don't really contemplate it. But I'll also say at this point, there is like some pressure too, where I'll show up at the ballpark 
and I'll be someplace and someone will be like, let me see what you're wearing. And then they'll look and they'll be like, you know, so you're, you got to come up with something good. I, my favorites, um, I'm not sure what my, what would be my favorites? Probably like the first, uh, the first pair of Travis Scott's that I got. Um, I would say that those, the, the originals, um, I really, I really like. So just that black and brown look. Um, I think that those, those are probably my, and I, and I wear them. So like I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I try and take care of them, but I'm not looking to trade or anything like that. So, but I'm interested in it. And there's definitely a look, you know, like these are just, um, yeah, these are just some, some ones that I found just different colors and, and that type of thing. So I like, cabin stuff that's bright different whatever the olive uh travis scott's i believe or is that the one so i got those but the the uh the mochas uh um, oh, the mocha yeah. yeah so like the reverse mocha um those are the ones that i really that i really love so um yeah i've i've, I've enjoyed it and i still i need to pare it down a little bit but i <laughs> um for the most part i like the lows and I still like looking, you know, yeah, it's too. still, it's still fun to see things that, you know, push a button and you say, ah, I like that. So how, how many do you have? I, I mean, I'm not a big shoe guy, so I don't even yeah. know what to like, besides wearing shoes. I'm not I would say now it's probably at like, I probably have 150 pairs of sneakers. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good collection. Yeah. So, which is ridiculous i i don't I, i'm not quite sure how how i turn into this person but here i am so you could do almost one every cubs game throughout the year pretty close yeah pretty close I like I tr- and i try to not repeat a ton um just because but yeah I, I i i try and mix them all in i mean and and i'm definitely i will sell them or donate them if i'm like okay i'm not wearing these that type of thing so some lucky 15, you know, size 15 person. Is there, <laughs> you know? All right, so Boogie, I mean, you just wrapped the third season here yeah. as, as play-by-play for Cubs broadcast. I, What's one of the, tell some of the viewers, listeners, one under-the-radar under the radar aspect of the job that you love a lot, that you feel like doesn't maybe get enough attention or maybe people don't know because they haven't walked a mile in your size 15 Nikes? <laughs> <laughs> um, man, underrated... I don't think I can do it justice with words, but it's just like coming over here and just driving down Waveland and the ballparks right there. You know, we're we're so lucky to have a park in, you know, what is effectively an urban environment. It's just so and coming to that park every day. So like I know everybody knows it, but to I still have moments and I I guess I would say I appreciate that I still appreciate it every day. I still have moments where the sun is setting and I'm doing play-by-play and I'm taking pictures. Um, if you went through my phone, there are just random pictures from the booth because our view is so good. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that's that's part of it. It's just it still washes over me that you're talking about, you know, going to work every day in a park that was built in the early 1900s and yeah I just 
I love it, and I love the feel of it. So I would say it's that, and then, um, you know, probably just in the macro that I've been doing it this long and that it's just such a game of connection so that, you know, before I ever took this job, I knew people with the Cubs and, you know, players, coaches, front office people. Um, and that's one of the things is I like connecting with people and I've gotten a chance to do it, you know, with tons of, uh, broadcasters, players, et cetera, and, you know, with 30 teams in the league, it's it's one of those special things that every time the Cubs are playing, you know, I'm connected to our guys, but then there's usually somebody that I haven't seen in a long time, you know, on the other side as well, and I love that. Do you have a favorite moment or game in your in your tenure as Cubs play by play? I still would say, you know, remember, I it was still COVID-y, if you will, when I – got here you know we didn't travel to begin you know eventually we did um which i greatly appreciate you know mike mccarthy and um you know and crane kenny doing that we were pretty much the only tv traveling in the second half that year but i would say it was the second opening day when the crowd you know it was full cubs got down um playing the cardinals and the rizzo at bat and you know we fouled off you know, 14, 15 pitches, something like that. And I remember saying, you know, to Demp or JD, Jim Leland always said that the longer a guy was up there, the more likely it was that something good was going to happen for the hitter. Did you feel that? And they got to answer the question and he keeps fouling pitches off. And then eventually he hits the home run and Bill Murray did the seventh inning stretch. And... It was just one, and it's funny because at the at the end of the game, so the game is over, and JD turns and looks at me, and there was just such a buzz in the ballpark because they were down big and came back and won, and packed house, and JD just kind of looks at me and he goes, "This is what you signed up for, huh?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah." So I that's still uh, a really you know special moment because again, I'd come and done a million games in this ballpark but as the voice of the cubs i started with you know not a full percentage of fans for home games and um that first year was was a little odd i still remember one of my vivid memories from that game from opening it 2.0 is walking in and seeing all the ushers wearing welcome home obvious shirts and i thought that was a nice really little touch that like welcoming fans back to the ballpark and so yeah I mean that that's a very memorable game and moment for me too the ha the fact that happened against the Cardinals too which Cubs fans obviously will always love and remember but Boog too just like now that 2023 itself has has the dust has settled on that what did you make of, of the Cubs journey this season and then where you think they need to go or improve or make adjustments leading into 2024 to get to the place where they want to go, where Cubs fans right. want to see them go. Yeah, it was an interesting year, wasn't it? I think I think they probably still overperformed. I mean, remember, you're talking it's early June and they're 10 games under 500 in San Francisco. And you're thinking after watching a 91 loss team and an 88 loss team, you know, we may be looking at more of the same and then it just turned around and then you're watching for the rest of June July August they were one of the best teams in all of baseball and then you're sitting there 
at 76 and 64 with a 92% chance to get in the playoffs. And you're thinking, well, we're in. Um, I just, the bullpen just leaked oil. Um, they just didn't have enough guys down there. And so, you know, Alzali had never been asked to do it before. It's a lot. You know, people don't think about it, but you're not, you know, this is a guy that was a starter. And even when they used him as a reliever, it was more taking down a couple of innings, couple of days off, take down a couple of innings or, you know, four or five outs. But now he was being asked to go again and again and again. And there, it's just an adjustment. And he hadn't done it. He was great when he was healthy. I thought Mark Leiter's season was incredible, especially for the journey. You know, I root for that guy. I thought for the the journey that that he's had, you know, he signed for a thousand dollars at a NJIT, and you know, missed a whole bunch of time. He had never been a reliever before, but he was worn down. So I mean, three of their leverage guys between those two, and then Fulmer, who ended up having Tommy John, um, were done, and they just—it was amazing. I can remember at the end of the year saying just in random games if you promised me we were going to get six shutout innings from the starter i'm not sure we're going to win this game because i don't know how we're going to get the last nine outs it was just it was just really tough so look in the end 83 wins i would guess was above what internally they projected the way it played out was pretty heartbreaking, however. And you sit, you know, while we were playing Arizona, I'm sitting there saying, are they really better than us? Are we? I mean, they won one more game than the Cubs did. Yeah. Um, they got hot at the right time. So, yeah, it was frustrating. As far as, you know, where do you go? I Look, you want to put together a team, you know, that, I think that they want to try to put together a team that is consistently going to be able to win 90 games because that's what, you know, 90-plus games. I don't know that they're necessarily going to put that team together this year, but I think they'll keep uh, making steps. I think it'll be an interesting offseason. You know, it's not a rich free agent crop. Um, Obviously, where does Otani go? That's sort of your starting point. Is there any chance that Bellinger comes back? Would they trade for Soto? Those are sort of the the headliners. But I think the other part that's challenging is they've loaded up their farm system so they have access to talent that they could trade. And then also probably the hope is that, you know, one or two of those guys pop and become star-level players. So, and I'm not advocate. you know, does Cade Horton become a 1-1 type starter an ace I, I don't know but you know you just you have you know Triantos was Arizona Fall League MVP he can really hit they liked him a lot um you Matt know the Shaw, they, Matt Shaw yeah. the kid they just they just picked is gonna, a, is gonna come for is in double a so again if a couple of those guys can hit you can't count on it but I would say that's the hope and they certainly have uh gone fishing with a big net and they've caught a lot of fish and you know if some of them turn into to stars that'll be at least part of your answer for the next great cubs team
And, and one of the things I always think about, too, is with prospects, that they're such a lottery card, is, yes. or what everyone always says. And you think about someone like Christopher Morrell, who yep. wasn't even, like, he wasn't a top prospect. He wasn't supposed to be anything. He gets called up to fill in a moment. Like, that that also has to happen not beyond just, like, no those, those top guys to come through. Absolutely. You have to get... You have to get the unexpected, no doubt. You have to get performance um, from guys you didn't anticipate it from um, in a single season and even just in career-type form. And then what is Seiya Suzuki? Is Seiya Suzuki, you know, the last two months of the season, he was one of the best hitters in the game. So could you count on him for an 850 OPS? I guess, you know, we'll wait and see. I do think pitching-wise... And again, my opinion, and not that the two teams that got to the World Series reflected this, but I would say overall in the last 10 years, what you have seen is teams that win, both those teams were really good defensively, so the Cubs are in line with that because they defended, I think they were a top probably five or six-ish team defensively, but they need more velocity, in my opinion. I think that as a general idea, getting higher velocity guys that get swing and miss and then you defend so your pitching is not allowing the ball in play that much and then when the ball is in play you catch it um i think that's probably your you know your best route for run prevention so i think they have put together a minor league that has more guys that have stuff at the big league level i wouldn't say that they put together a rotation or a bullpen that is a plus-plus stuff type staff. For sure. And, I mean, one of the big off-season moves, of course, was Craig Council trying to get the most out of it. We are going to take a quick break here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. When we come back, we're going to pick Boog's brain just about Council and what that move means for the team moving forward. Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300. You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? What? I'll take $300. $300? Get your exclusive card at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing level. All right, back here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast, Tony Andraki, Andy Martinez, and Boog Shambi. And Boog, the managerial change, you know, replacing David Ross with Craig Council is a huge surprise for me. I wasn't expecting it. How was it for you? I mean, were you surprised? What was that? What was your initial reaction to the entire uh, ordeal? I guess I should say. I was stunned. I will tell you, I know enough that anybody there's like three or four people that could say maybe they weren't that surprised, but for the most part, like everybody needs to answer honestly and say they were shocked. Cause it was absolutely shocking. Um, Yeah, I was stunned by it. I think, you know, it didn't, I don't think that it was something that the Cubs were contemplating. I think they were generally satisfied with David Ross. I think David has shown what he's capable of. He manages the room really, really well, created good culture. Um, They were short in the bullpen. We talked about it. I think Craig Council has shown he's been one of the, elite managers in the game. Um, Now he's had good pitching and he's a guy that has shown an ability to manipulate a bullpen with good bullpen arms with the likes of Hayter and Devin Williams. And 
you know, they the Brewers have done a pretty good job of delivering pitching. So I was surprised by it. I think it says a lot. I think that the move was, look, if you're David Ross, you're not going to be happy. Um, I think they felt like they could have gone deep into the playoffs with David Ross as manager. I think this was about what they feel about Craig Council, that he is, you know, one of the top, if not the top managers in the game, and they wanted to get him. So I don't think, I don't think that Jed Hoyer was sitting there saying, we may need to improve our manager. I think it's just the fact that they could get Craig Council, so they got him. You have a history with Craig. I do. How have you seen him grow from when you guys both started in Miami to to now? I mean, he, you know, the the ironic thing is in a leadership position is he's an introvert. I mean, he's he did say that. At, yeah. yeah, at the introduction, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, you know, but he also is. Yeah, I mean, we're we're the same age. Uh, we met in 1997 when I was a rookie broadcaster of the Marlins. He was a rookie player who had been acquired from the Colorado Rockies and became their everyday second baseman, taking over for Luis Castillo, just kind of connected there. Um, how has he grown? I would say he was one of those guys in the clubhouse when he was a young player who was very quiet and very to himself. And then as he gained, you know, service time and status he was a guy that quietly people would go to because he was thought of as someone with a high baseball iq and just a high iq um and so he's not the rah-rah type of leader but he still would tell you what he thought i think that when he was playing, there was not some grand design that he was going to manage. I think that he, he thought, maybe, like he thought about the front office. When he was done, the one thing that I think is so huge to his growth as a manager was that his first few years out of the game, he worked as a special assistant with the Brewers. But here's the thing that's quirky about it is that, okay, so so many players go and become special assistants, but it's not usually in your hometown. So he's at home, so he could just go into the office. So he'd go into the office and he'd sit down with the data guys who he didn't know anything about and he'd be like, okay, explain to me why you don't like the bunt. Uh, explain to me what the most efficient use would be of our lineup in terms of batting order. And then he'd go to Appleton and watch a minor league game. And then he would go with the scouting director and scout amateur guys. But because it was in his hometown and he had the access and the whole time the big league team is right there in front of him, he just got, he got this feel and this access to how the whole thing operates. So I think that in terms of, in today's game, the best places have the synergy between the front office and the manager. And I think that he got a little bit of a cheat code by his three years in the front office. And then eventually, I guess it was May of 2015, replacing Ron Renneke. Um, I just think it helped him a lot. And then, yeah, just I think he's he's grown and just been more comfortable 
with himself in a leadership spot and being out front. And obviously, as someone that's part of that community, he grew up in Milwaukee. His dad worked for the Brewers. He was a huge Brewers fan. He played for the Brewers. Then he worked in the front office, then managed the Brewers. So, like, he was used to the spotlight being on him in that community and representing that franchise. Um, so I just, I think that, and he's, he's probably, he's a really good listener. I would say he's someone who was always willing to change his mind, which I think is a super important quality if you want to grow and learn. And that's always been, you know, for, you know, debates and arguments that he and I have had baseball wise over the years, he's always shown a willingness to adapt, change, um, and I think that there's a humility to him as well. I, you know, I thought in the press conference, you heard a lot of, I'm not sure. I don't know. I think he even said, I'm scared. He did. Yeah. yeah. And, but it's not, I'm scared and I'm not going to do it. It's yeah. There's parts of this that are scary and we're going to keep going forward. So, and I just think that the way it works, um, you know, for players today, I, you know, that there's. I just don't think the I'm in authority, I'm right, you're wrong works. And so that humility that he brings, I think, helps him to lead. And, uh, yeah, I think he showed it off at the press conference. Knowing him as you do, was there, going back to like the point where he's an introvert, was there a little bit of you that was surprised? Because managers nowadays have like 500 media appearances right. a year, maybe even more, especially if, you know, bigger market, playoffs, so on. Like there's just a lot of being in front of the camera, talking and so on. Was there a little bit of you that was maybe surprised about that aspect, that this is the career he chose? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that I knew he, because he's smart, I knew he'd be able to, handle that I mean it's not he's an introvert I don't think you know he's someone that's going to go sit in a corner I mean he he is a a social being I think that he likes stuff that's going to engage his mind so I think that that's probably more of the part of the gig that stood out to him than thinking about the fact that the media is going to stick mics and cameras in his face all the time. I think, you know, it wasn't going to stimulate his brain was the challenge was the challenge yeah. of it that I, I would say intrigued him, connected him. Yeah. What's the one thing that you think Cubs fans should know about council? I mean, you've, you've had interactions with them, like, like you said, in right. Miami or as a manager, as a broadcaster. Um, I mean, there's a playfulness in there. Like there's, he, he's got a good sense of humor and, I mean, he's serious, but, like, you just kind of got to be with him and talk about him. But he has a silliness to him and a fun and a, um, you know, there's there's a smile in there, even though it can seem like he's he's super serious. There's still a real a real playfulness to him. But I I think, yeah, he's the type of guy... I'll put it to you this. He's the type of guy, like, if you sit next to him at a party, like, you'd enjoy sitting next to him at a party because, like, you'd have an interesting conversation with him. How do you think he will impact the Cubs and help take him to that next level that we were talking earlier in the pod? Like, and, and what do you think it is about him that has made him arguably the greatest manager in the game or well, at least one of them? So I think this. I think that it's hard to find the guys that have 
a handle on today's world of advanced analytics and what front offices are trying to do and an understanding, which he does. I think that makes him, you know, more unique and or makes him unique. And then because he played and he still speaks like a player, he has presence and gravitas and an ability in the room to manage the culture. I think that's the thing. You have guys that are some guys that are good at managing culture and managing the room and connecting with players that may not be quite as strong tactically or don't understand quite as much what the front offices are trying to do. You have some guys that are a little bit more nerd inclined um, and understand what the front offices are trying to do and maybe don't. Uh, connect as well with uh, with the players or maintain culture. I think that he checks both those boxes, and that's what makes him um, that's what makes him special. How is he going to impact the Cubs? I you know again, I think it'll be a process. I don't think. Let's be clear here. Whenever you ask me a question like that, I do think he's an elite level manager. But my the first place my brain goes, I don't know how good a player is going to be. Yeah. yeah, you know. So I, I think that if you know if you brought back the exact same team as last year, you know he's going to have trouble with the bullpen because those guys are going to wear down also um, because they haven't done it before. So. I, I think that it will be a, a progression, but I, you know, you gotta you gotta have players. On that end, what are you expecting from the Cubs this offseason? How how, like what what do you think that they're, they're going to be able to do this offseason? Like, do you think Shohei signs this week or next week? Or, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I, look, it's exciting to entertain it, isn't it? Yeah. And, no, it is. It's fun. Um, what do I expect? I I mean, I think they're going to aggressively examine. Um, all avenues. It, if it's not Otani, um, you know, then free agent wise, there's not as much sexy out there. And then it becomes, do you make a trade? And that's again where the minor league talent stock really helps you. What do I expect? I mean, like if you were to make me guess, like I think. Otani would seem unlikely to me. And I would just say that because in his first go-around, he had every single team interested in him, and he signed with the Angels. And no disrespect to the Angels, which I guess is what people say when you're about to disrespect them. <laughs> yeah. but you can like, say whatever you want after that. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty clear. If you're signing with the Angels, if you're saying that team, I would say you're saying... I'm down for some attention, but not that much attention. I mean, he won the MVP. He didn't talk to the media. And I like the warm weather. Um, I would say that if you're looking for warm weather and not that much attention, it wouldn't seem like the Cubs are a fit. Now, that doesn't mean that he hasn't changed his mind about what he wants. And, you know, this place is easy to sell. Let's be clear. Like, you want to come play in one of the most special, you know, basically one of the most special environments in all of sport. Come here. Um, Goes back pet. to what you were saying at the early in the podcast. We yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. No question. So, 
look, I think they're going to be in. I, I And again, I don't... He, he He's clearly guarded what is most important to him and what the agenda is. He doesn't want that out there. So when I say I'm, I'm cobbling together, you know, using a logic ladder off of his first choice and what he did, it wouldn't... So, so it, I mean, he had a chance to sign with the Yankees the first time, and he didn't. So my guess is he's probably not going to sign with the Yankees this time. But I don't know it. You know what I mean? So, um, and then as far as what else to do, look, first base and third base were problematic last year in terms of offensive production. Um, you know, do they have to do something else in center, uh, you know, and, and give PCA a little bit of time in the minors? That's one. You know, you'd love to see Belly back. I personally think if you bring Belly back, he's probably in center maybe for one more year and then for the most part he's at first. And he's a brilliant defender at first and a good defensive center fielder. I don't know how that one's going to play out with Bellinger. I would say I'd probably get cranky. Cranky? Well, I'll just say the thing. Um, I just think at times the players, they lose sight of where do you want to play? And what is the difference between 195 million and 182 million? At that point, the di- you know, like if you made 195 and I made 182 and you called me up and you're like, Boog, let's go do X. I don't think that there's something <laughs> that you're going to say. I'm going to be like too rich for my blood. Yeah. <laughs> you're making 13 million more overall. Yeah. I like, so go where you want to go. So, and I just, they just don't. Um, and it becomes, the money becomes, JD likes to call them, I love you points. So I think the Cubs are interested in Bellinger. I think they will make him an offer. I don't think it'll be the highest offer. And then what I would say back, not to Scott Boris, and love you, Scott, not to Scott Boris, so step away, to Belly. Where do you want to play? You want to play here? Come here. You're gonna. You're probably not gonna make the most money, but you liked it here. Come back. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And and it just doesn't. I know it's not that simple, but guys, they just lose sight of it sometimes. Where do you want to play? Go play where you want to play. Go be happy. Go play where you want to play. So and Belly was happy last year. He liked it. So. Yeah. I mean, I, not to like get into all those guys from twenty twenty one that were traded away, the Rizzo's and Bryant's and and Javi's and stuff. But I would be super curious to see when their career is over. Like what they felt like, right? Like, obviously, they loved playing here, but it'd be cool to to hear them. Like, did you like playing here? Do you kind of regret not taking an extension or not signing something that would have kept you here? I, maybe they don't. I don't know. But, like, I agree with you. I think that's a really good point that, like, play where you want to play, play in an environment that loves you, that you were comfortable in, which he was. And, I mean, it was a really cool year for him. So yeah. um, I think that's fascinating for sure. But, Buga, as you're looking at all these offseason rumors, Otani, Bellinger, whoever right. else, how much time do you spend pay like attention to your phone? Are you locked in to Twitter X all the time? Are you looking at MLB trade rumors? Are you refreshing, or are you kind of like, let me see what happens when this happens, um, versus the rumor aspect of it? Yeah, all? it's it, it's funny because I I don't know when it shifted, but I am definitely the second guy. Like I'm not I'm not refreshing. I don't like if if Otani signs today. And I don't find out about it for an hour. Like I'm good. Like I'm still gonna be really excited. 
I don't, I don't need it right in the moment. Um, so definitely more of that. I just, I think it's also you just get older, and I don't have the bandwidth. <laughs> to, it's like how I feel about other sports. I just, I, you know, I grew up a sports fan. Baseball was always my favorite sport. But I'm just so invested in this sport and the stuff that I'm doing now, baseball wise. I want to read stuff that's going to help me be smarter and better for next year, not as much about someone speculating on a rumor about X. I'd rather just find out when it's done. That's fair. I, yeah. I think Andy's the exact opposite because any minor move he sends uh, yeah. to work chat, hey, this guy signed a minor league deal with whoever. So, yeah, yeah. Andy, not, yeah. be more like Boog. So, well, no, you, you do your thing, <laughs> but I would say, like, you can, if you want to start like a group thread of the three of us, and you can send the breaking news, and then I will send back, don't care. <laughs> We're going to get a Jay Cutler gif of don't care, but That's Boog right. instead. That's right. I love it. We just activated Siri. That's perfect. <laughs> well, Boog, thank you so much for stopping by. Great we really appreciate yeah, this. Uh, this was phenomenal, and that'll do it for this week's edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast. Be sure to check out the video if you're watching on the new Marquee Sports Network app or download wherever you get your podcasts. For Boog and Andy, I'm Tony. Thanks for tuning in.